This podcast is a member of the Place to Be Nation family. Visit us at placetobenation.com, the only place to be in your pop culture world. Welcome to this month's journey through Courses Uncharted, Worlds Unrefined, and uh, probably done uh, unorganized, and definitely unscripted. And boy, are we going to find a place unscripted tonight. Welcome to this month's journey through the looking glass. I am your co-host, Scott Criscolo. Hope everyone is enjoying their April, uh, whether you celebrate Easter or Passover, any of the other holidays at this time of year. Uh, we got a great show for you this month uh, because this is a very, very deep topic. So one that <laughs> this rabbit hole might take us all the way down the bottom and back up again. <laughs> but an interesting one. One I think that we've been wanting to talk about for a long time. But let me bring in my compadre. He is the Thunder from Down Under. And I want to say that I think, for the first time in the history of our show, uh, I think that the temperatures are close together. Usually they're not. Usually we're about 60 degrees apart. I don't think we are this time. Good evening, David Hall. How are you? I'm doing well, Scott. It's good to good to talk to you again. It's good to talk to uh, all our listeners. Glad you can join us. Yes, it is uh, definitely starting to cool down here, uh, down here in Australia, down here in my my neck of the woods of um, just not far out from Sydney. It's uh, it's 21 Celsius, which is about oh, 69, 70 your your end. Uh, but definitely starting to cool down. Cool, definitely cooling down in the mornings with really feeling it overnight. Not yeah. Well, not that it gets anywhere near as cold as it does for you. Well, it's funny you say that because we have had a weird heat spurt here in uh in the northeast and northeastern part of the United States over the past two weeks. The official temperature today was like sixty one. So I would say that you and I are about as close temperature wise as we've ever been. We're only about eight degrees apart. Usually we're about 58 degrees apart, <laughs> depending <laughs> on the time of the year. But uh, but it's always a pleasure, Dave. Great to be with you again, as always. Uh, check out our archive. For those that are new to the show, welcome. It's an honor to have you. Uh, our show, just to recap, we won't go through all the topics, but uh, our show is not episodic. So you could start listening. If you're listening to our show for the first time, welcome. It's an honor to have you here on the PTB Wrestling Network, placetobe.podbean.com. Please follow us on Twitter, at PTBN Wrestling. But this is not episodic, so you could keep listening to this episode. It won't affect the fact if you hadn't listened to the previous. But after this, jump on our archive and go back to all of our previous episodes of Through the Looking Glass. We've had some pretty interesting and unique journeys uh, all over the place, all over history uh, in terms of time place guy gal anything and uh tonight is a is a deep dive in the pool uh when dave uh, pr- uh proposed this topic for this month i went oh my this is gonna be uh this is gonna be a deep one because you could go through so many avenues and 
there's a ton of changes that would have to be made from here compared to reality. Uh, because doing what we're doing tonight in an alternate universe through the looking glass will definitely affect a ton of other things. And uh, we'll get into that. Uh, uh, we'll get into that um, as we move ahead tonight. So, Dave, the floor is yours. Get us ready. Where are we jumping tonight through the looking glass? Well, the time machines are set and ready to go. Did you know, Scott, that it is 22 years since World Championship Wrestling closed its doors after being purchased by WWE, shut down, stopped producing any form of events, pay-per-views and all that. 22 years. Can you believe that? It's it's uh, It's been uh, more time that they've been dead that they were ever alive. That's crazy. Uh, I, I, I agree with you. I'll tell you why that's nuts, Dave, is because when we did uh, our GWCW matches uh, project a few years ago, we realized that it was very easy to do that because we only pretty much used a swath of 20 years from 1981 to 2001 because before 1981, the Mid-Atlantic region was very regional. I mean, uh, you couldn't watch it in other elsewhere in the world. Fast forward to like 1985 and it was, you know, I could get Superstation or, you know, here in Connecticut where I grew up and a lot of other places. Um, and then 2001, they were gone. When we tried to do the GWWE one for best matches, oh my God, because you can never end. You go all the way back to the 70s and you're all the way up to, you know, yesterday if you really wanted yeah. to. Um, but this is interesting. The fact that you just said that, 22 years since WCW shut the door, or I should say that, since the door was shut on them. That's about um, right. Yeah, uh, is mind-boggling. I got to be it honest, is. it really is, you know? It is. And I remember the time. I remember, I mean, I remember it. I was, you know, deep, deep into everything that was happening at the time. I remember when uh, the first uh, first glimpses of a potential sale started to come across the internet, uh, even back as uh, sort of December 2000, that sort of cropped its head. And, you know, as, as we all know, history shows that uh, the, the WCW was bought out by Vince McMahon and the WWE. Tape library's all there. And we've, we've been able to enjoy the benefits of that for many years. But yes. But Vince wasn't the original um, purchaser. In fact, Vince sort of managed to get it as a, as a, on a bargain basement when a, when a, when a different sale uh, didn't go through. Uh, Fusion Media, uh, mm -hmm. sort of spearheaded by by Eric Bischoff, they were hoping to buy it. They'd done sort of due due diligence, and uh, all the all the paperwork had been done, and then that fell apart when. Uh, as, as uh, the history goes, I think as Brad Siegel and and at the turn the, what what had become uh, the merger of Time Warner, they uh, hand the television product the opportunity to show the case on television, and so that sale basically bit the bullet, and and as such WCW merges or is bought out by WWE, and we know the story from there, but. It got me wondering, it's got me thinking over the years, I think many wrestling fans have asked the question, what if 
WCW had survived in some manner and had not been brought out by Vince. Now, whether it was purchased by Fusion, whether it was purchased by another buyer, that's irrelevant to our stories today. But um, the question that, that we're going to look at today is, what might have happened? What might the world of WCW have looked like if it had been allowed to continue? If WCW had been purchased by someone other than Vince McMahon and the, the entity of World Championship Wrestling continued to produce wrestling events throughout 2001 and, and into the future? And, and would it have survived? Would it have made it? I guess that's the that's the question we're going to look at today. That's uh, some of the thoughts we're going to tackle. Uh, it's, as, as you said, Scott, this could this could go anywhere and everywhere, and we probably could do this. We could probably do this as a series. You could do a month by month series on this, and and probably not really scratch the surface. But we're gonna we're gonna give it a good go today. In one episode, we're gonna see how we go. So, WCW, Scott, were you watching 2000, 2001? I mean, we, we we've all admitted, we all know that all of us were sort of watching. Uh, Watching the Attitude Era and Austin and Rock, and we're all we're all heavy into that. But where was WCW on your radar at the back end of its life? Uh, not really. Well, I mean, I did watch. Uh, my, I was really turned off. I think the moment that I kind of tuned out to WCW was right after Starcade '98. Uh, that ridiculous as ridiculous as the storyline was and i don't know what sense it made but kevin nash and we talked about this on our goldberg episode uh dave hmm. i i part of me never still understood uh goldberg losing to kevin nash i just thought that was kind of stupid and never a fan of it and i feel like wcw was not the same after that now they did survived into 99 but it was by the time they hit 2000 they were they were on live support wwf was kicking their butts every week the product was better you had an awesome heel champion in triple h you had the rock at the top of the card even with steve austin out in 2000 you had just absolute studs um in the mid card the kurt angles the you know, Kurt Angle and Chris Benoit and Chris Jericho, uh, the tag division, Edge and Christian, the, the Dudleys, the Hardys. The company was on fire. And, and the worst thing for WCW was that WWF was doing that well. And you were stuck with the Tank Abbots and the huge, huge erection and, you know, GI Bro and David Flair and just absolute crap. And then the, the bash the beach thing with Hogan and Kidman and Russo said, you'll never see this piece of shit here again. And just all this nonsense. And pretty much by, you know, pretty much by uh, July or August, it was already kind of starting that uh, that uh, WCW was cooked. The, I remember the fall. You know, I just read the I just read a great book called Nitro, which I, I highly recommend everybody read. It's about the his, pretty much it's about the history of yeah. WCW and the rise and fall of Nitro. And those discussions were starting, oh, I would say in late fall, early winter. And uh I I had no 
thinking that WWF was ever going to buy them. Um, but to, to answer your, to stay focused with your question, I was watching WCW until Starcade 98. And then, then the, the finger poke, probably the kicker was that January 4th, 99 episode of Nitro with the finger poke and Tony pretty much being bullied into saying that Mick Foley winning the world title would put butts in the seats. And then we all changed the channel. And that moment in Worcester when, uh, you know, when the, the glass broke and it was the biggest pop in the history of the business and Mick won the title, that, that, that doomed, doomed WCW. So mm. to answer your question, I probably fell off the map after Starcade 98 and into the beginning of 99. Yeah, it, it's interesting because down here in Australia, prior to 98, there really was no... No broadcast of WCW. We we, we relied on um, the the actor mags. We re, we had to rely on uh, on videotapes to 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 watch what was happening in in that company. And and I you know it might have been during you know sometime in '97, but in '98 um, the rise of uh, cable television down here in Australia allowed um, that actually had the TNT network on on the one of the cable channels down here cable companies down here and that allowed right. um that allowed nitro and all wcw pay-per-views to to start to be aired in australia so it's interesting that while it's in demise in the us and probably elsewhere in the world wcw was actually on a bit of a surge down here in australia it was getting television coverage it was getting good ratings from an australian cable perspective um mm-hmm. And there are a lot of I, I I just started working as a teacher just out of uni in uh, in in that time period, sort of 98, 99. And there are a lot of young people who were watching WCW and would walk around saying WCW was better than WWF, which I never agreed with them, but it was there, it was out there. And um and so we were only just getting the the being able to watch pay-per-view these events live and watching Nitro for the first time was was a unique experience for those who watched it. Now I didn't really because I'd already determined that WWF was better. But having said that, 2000, you talk about you know sort of bash at the beach and and everything that happened with Hogan and that sort of really being at the start of it of, of the massive decline. Although it happened from the the you know, the finger poke and mm-hmm. and the end of the Goldberg streak, but right. Sort of August September 2000, WCW toured Australia, and it was my first live oh, wrestling right. event. Yep, and it was massive. They sold, they sold out those shows in 15 20 minutes. Um, they wow. did they did shows in Brisbane, Sydney, Melbourne. Two shows in Sydney, two shows in Melbourne, one in Brisbane. I think there was one elsewhere, and they all sold. I, I tried to get so the interesting thing was they did a thunder taping in sydney and i tried to get tickets to that um that was and that that sold out in 10 15 minutes and and then they announced a essentially a house show and i managed to get tickets to to that event and i'm glad i did because the house show was so much better than the than uh than the the television product so um, but yes, yeah, sold out massive tour down here in Australia. Uh, infamous for Juventud Guerrero losing his mind on drugs and uh, in mm-hmm. a in a hotel down here and being kicked out of the country. And but uh, yeah, it was a big resurgence in Australia. But I don't think you know you can't 
you can't run a company on one tour. Uh, WCW certainly right. learned that. And, uh, yeah, it was building here, but it was never something I, I really – I was much like you. I, I was probably about 12 months later. Everything that happened around Brett, um, I think Brett's um, – the whole Bret Hart-Goldberg storyline, I was I sort of really got caught back up in Bret Hart's quest for the WCW title, and I watched that Starcade 99, and I thought, oh, here we go. And then I didn't like the end, and then, you know, Brett had his concussion and just everything went to pieces, I felt, January 2000. And I, I stopped. That was it. I was done. Um, WWF only after that point was really where my my focus was. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it was um, – it's, uh, it's just interesting comparing the worlds, uh, you know, oceans apart gives a different – gives different dynamic of how the company was going. But uh, yep. – I certainly remember, as I said, I remember when the sale happened. I, it caught me. I, I must admit the you heard the 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 fusion sale stuff was all over the internet for for a couple of months. It was the yeah. builds and it's going to happen, and then it fell through, and then it just came out of nowhere that Vince had bought it. It just it it literally felt like it came out of nowhere. Um, one. One day I went online and it was Vince's bought it, and by the end of the weekend they were announcing it on on Raw and Nitro. Mm. I remember same thing. Like the fusion thing was was going crazy. Uh, pretty much after January, like probably mid to late January, it was really getting hot and heavy. Then sometime in, I guess early March is when I think the fusion fell apart maybe it was mid maybe it was late february and one random day that friday before so that would be what march 23rd because it was the friday before that that in that uh, famous nitro in panama beach and the raw in cleveland so may 23rd march 23rd 2001 i was in my i was at my girlfriend's house in her basement and i was going on the internet she was I think feeding her cat or something. And I'm like, Oh, I'm going to, I'm going to go, you know, check my email and email 2001. How rudimentary and <laughs> <laughs> my hotmail. I was checking my hotmail. Oh, and, uh, yeah. And, beep, and, uh, I went on WWF.com because I heard there was a sale on WrestleMania merch. Uh, so I said, Oh, cool. I could, I feel like getting a WrestleMania shirt. I wasn't going to Houston, of course, but, I wanted to get, I love the poster with Rock and Steve's faces above the Astrodome. I always thought that was a cool poster. Um, and then right on the front page, WWF has bought WCW. And there was the WCW logo. I crapped myself. <laughs> I, I literally just, I did not know how or what to think. I'm like, oh my God. The war is over. Now, take into account, Dave, that ECW was done at this point for probably about a month and a half because mm. uh, I don't think um, they had they had a show in January and they yep. had a show in and then they had their last show in March. Yep. So uh, they had didn't really just, have anything in between, but they just closed their doors as well. Yeah. And Paul Heyman pretty much showed up that week because. He was, because he was at, he obviously was, uh, well, Paul debuted sometime in the beginning of March because um, 
Barry had gone walkabouts because they'd fired the cat. Yes, the cat the cat got fired and Jerry was defending his wife. Uh so Jerry quit. So Jerry's last show was No Way Out 2001, which incidentally is one of the greatest secondary shows of all time and I don't care what universe or looking glass you're looking through, that show was amazing. Um so ECW we had already real but you see ECW we knew was in the the toilet. That was not that was not uncommon knowledge. Yeah. But we, as wrestling fans, pretty much thought somebody was going to buy WCW and keep it going. But then when that Friday afternoon in my girlfriend's basement in the lush town of Orange, Connecticut, uh, I um, and I saw that front page and it said, WWF scratch logo has purchased WCW. I was stunned. Who, why wouldn't you have been? Mm. Um, it just, I don't know what's going to happen. That weekend was just, we were breathless with anticipation. They did the last thunder that previous Thursday and then we we uh, we get to Monday in Cleveland for Raw, and Nitro is in Panama City, and that was just uh, it was surreal, and it was a weird time too, Dave, because we were only one week away from WrestleMania, which, as we know, WrestleMania seventeen, one of the best of all time, and. We had no issue. I mean, we didn't know WCW. We don't have time for this. We got Rocket Austin. We got Triple H and Taker. Shane versus Vince. We got a, we got a ton of shit going on. We don't have time for this. How do we? How what, how do we have time to wrap our heads around the fact that WWF now won the war, and you know we had the Appomattox Courthouse at the end of the Civil War, and and uh, you know like I or you know the American Revolution, I guess. I, I don't know. I just I. I had no idea how to react to, uh, you know, how to react to this. Um, no idea. I honestly had no idea. Yeah, and it was one of those things. I don't think anyone, anyone really knew where it was going to go, what was going to happen. Yeah, you know, the and and this is we're not. This is this episode is not about. We're not doing anything about the invasion, but. You know, the original talk was that you know, everyone believed it was, and the talk coming out of WWF was they were going to run it as a separate company. They were going to keep it as its own entity. And unfortunately, due to varying various circumstances and events and Vince McMahon's opinions, and, uh, and clearly at the time that they were the only ones that mattered, um, WCW didn't uh, continue in that in that vein. And, and we all know the invasion happened, but it, it really was at the time. What's going to happen here? What what is going to happen? And I mean, you, you've heard interviews with with the WCW guys who were at that last Nitro. They were very much. We don't know what the future holds. We 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 had no idea. Even the the guys whose contracts got picked up. You now they've talked about the fact that they didn't know what was going to happen. They they didn't know whether they would still have a job or um, how that would look if they did have a job. So it wasn't just it wasn't just 
us as fans that that were in the dark. It was the the guys who were on the WCW roster. They they had no idea as well. So yeah, a very surreal time. Mm. I mean, what was going to happen was was uh, 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 was it going to be a separate entity? Was Vince going to, um, you know, Vince was going to run it as a separate entity, and were they going to uh, be another night? Would they replace SmackDown? I, I, I had no idea. I really had no idea. Um, it was, what a time in wrestling, Dave. I mean, we had for a good eight years from 1993 to 2001, we had eight years of three companies, WWF, WCW, and ECW. Yeah. And probably from 96 to 98, those three years, all three, all three, um, uh, um, all three companies were thriving at the same time. That was, Absolutely. I mean, it was crazy. And then by 99, obviously WWF and or WCW and, and ECW, that was all about money. Well, ECW was about money. WCW was about politics involving the networks and Turner and all that kind of stuff. But, uh, um, I, WWF was just the better by the time we hit 2001 obviously WWF was just the better project uh, yeah, better product better promotion mm-hmm. and yeah. I I shuddered to think how wrestling was going to be from this point forward now obviously we get to 2002 and two promotions are created uh, we had um, we had uh, TNA, which, in my opinion, was the new WCW, and then Ring of Honor, which seemed like the current, like a new ECW, except not as extreme, but same thing. Uh, we'll get to that in a minute because there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, things to talk about in an alternate universe pertaining to those two promotions but i was totally dumbfounded as to what the future was going to hold in professional wrestling because we were just used to three promotions for those years on different nights and if you were lucky in ecw and you could stay up till three o'clock in the morning on a saturday night if you're drunk or not which during my college years i was uh (laughs) so that's how i watched ecw you had three promotions. You had WWF, you had WCW, and you had the wild card promotion, ECW. And then, I mean, if you had the money and you were tape trading, you had New Japan stuff and all Japan stuff. But we're talking about here in North America is pretty much those three. So by 2001, that March night, when it went from three to one, I, I didn't know what the future would hold, Dave, for pro wrestling at this point. I don't think anybody did. You know, no, no, I don't think I, I agree with you. I don't think anyone had any idea, and and you know, we've we've seen how how it all developed over time. But but today we're gonna today we're gonna take some uh, we're gonna take a look at maybe what could have happened 
what could have happened if WCW didn't get bought by WWE? As I said, what could have what could have been done? And 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 to and to go on this journey, Scott Criscolo and David mm-hmm. Hall are going to take on the role of essentially head of talent relations and head of booking, and and we're just going to give you some possible thoughts, some ideas of how the how direction may have gone, and and perhaps. If uh, if this had, you know whether or not this might have allowed a company to to thrive again, I don't know. And uh, we, we're going to do we're going to do it probably more. We're not going to do a month by month, um, you know, because we're not looking at every week's TV. That's not what we're going to do. We're, we're just going to give a bit of a broad overview, some broad strokes. We're going to take a couple of things as an assumption. Mm-hmm. We don't. It doesn't matter who's bought. WCW, it just hasn't been brought by Vince. That's that's assumption number one. Assumption number two, to, to keep an entity going, they would have needed TV. How, where, why is irrelevant, but there would have at least been the opportunity to put on a product on a weekly basis. Right. We're going to assume WCW Nitro continues somewhere. Might not have been on TNT, might not have been on Turner in any way, but it's out there somewhere. The new owners... Would have got TV time somehow. That we're going, to, we're going to assume that number two, and obviously number three, um, that there is an ongoing pay per view product. So that, that, that's where we're we're going to take those assumptions as as given. We're not going to do weekly night show results. That's not what we're about. But that that's our given. So the, the starting point needs to be when you look at if you if Scott if you if you're going to rebuild WCW, you, you, the company's been bought. We're looking at this company as who are we going to focus on? Who are we going to focus around? I guess I want to I want to start by asking. WCW was known to have a deep roster. Clearly, mm-hmm. by two thousand and one, it had been significantly diminished in numbers, but there were still some key players out there. There was still a lot of young talent, and there's a lot of guys that went on to have big, successful careers in WWE. So we have the benefit of hindsight. We have the benefit to be able to look back and go, we know where some guys did go and we have the ability to maybe make use of them. We also know there are guys that might have been missed opportunities. So I'm going to ask you this question to start with, Scott. Mm -hmm. Which WCW wrestlers would you prioritise to to be signing? We, We know that guys had contracts with Time Warner and they may have had to have been bought out. We're going to assume that these guys were looking to to continue working. So not they don't gonna, not going to sit on their massive contracts. That there's going to be a way for these contracts to be carried over, picked up, whatever. Who would you be looking at picking up from WCW to make use of? Well, the three, if you look at it, the three main players in WCW at the top, at least in my opinion, based on that moment were Scott Steiner, uh, Jeff Jarrett, and Booker T. They were, the, they were the three main guys at the top. You had your Lugers. You had your Stings. You had, you know, I think Nash was kind of still around. Um, Hogan was gone. Uh, in 2001, he was doing that promotion with XWF or whatever with Jimmy Hart. So he was gone. Um I'd like to think, obviously, Goldberg was probably still around. So yeah. I would definitely, Goldberg is the number one, I think. 
I think that the two big ones for me are Goldberg and Sting. I think you need to keep them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You got to keep Goldberg and Sting. I would keep Booker T. Booker T was crazy over. You know, mm-hmm. he had already won the WCW title a couple times at that point. I would have kept Jeff Jarrett, believe it or not, because I think he was a good scumbag asshole heel. So I think he'd have been good. Scott Steiner is the is the wild card in this, Dave, because Scott Steiner was a good heel, good WCW champion, but an absolute nut job. And I think a new management team running WCW, I don't think would have dealt with his crap. Mm. Now, was he bankable enough for that to be swept under the rug? I'm going to say, I'm going to say no. I think he would have, I think eventually Scott Steiner would have probably had his contract played out. And I have a feeling at some point he would have gone to the WWF. Yeah, I do. So in terms of the bankable guys, and I'm curious your thoughts, Dave, because you might agree with some of mine. I'd like to hear some more that you have that I'm not thinking of. I would have definitely kept Goldberg. He was obviously the face of the company and he would have been, the, the fans still loved him. And I think he's a guy that that would have kept the, the crowds coming in. But you needed to rebook him to the moon. And he's a baby face. He's not a heel. Yeah. Uh, Sting. Well, it's Sting, Dave. I mean, it's WCW's Undertaker. How do you not keep him? You let Sting go. You might as well shut the doors. Yeah. My opinion. Booker T. Up and coming. Great, great singles wrestler. He had feuded with uh, Benoit. He was a great TV champion. I, I think at least once he won the U.S. title. Oh, and, yeah, he had, and he, yeah, and he had feuded, yeah, a couple times. And he had feuded with with uh, Jarrett and was a pretty good WCW champion. So overall, those are probably the five guys. I will say Goldberg, Sting, Jarrett, and Booker. Uh. After that, oh, DDP. DDP, I think I would keep, obviously, as well. DDP. After that, well, at least we're talking about the main events now. We'll get to other stuff, cruisers and tag teams in a little bit. But at the top, in terms of the bankable guys that are going to bring you to the building, those are the five guys I think I would start off with trying to lock down for at least a couple of years. Yeah, I think I think I would absolutely agree with you. The the number one priority would need to be Goldberg. You want Goldberg on your roster. Um, he he was the most marketable player when I, I shared this before when we did our Goldberg episode. When when I when I attended that event down here in Australia and Goldberg right. came out, it was the loudest yeah um, reaction I had ever heard in my life. Um, and 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 to this day since, and I've been to other wrestling events since, and nothing compared to the reaction Goldberg got when he came out at a time when he was being booked terribly. So he right. he was he was your and I think we've seen over time when used correctly and when booked correctly, he he can be phenomenal. He he can do what you need him to do. He doesn't. He's not a he's not a ring technician. He's not there to. Um, to put on 20, 30-minute, you know, wrestling classics. Right. But but he is going to bring the fans in. He is going to be he's someone that is believable and they can get behind. So he's your number one. I agree with Booker. 
um, absolutely has to be there. And I and I agree, Jarrett is he he's a guy I think who becomes your versatile workhorse who sort of holds the card together a little bit. He might not. I'm not sure I'd ever take the route that you know make him the number one guy like he was in TNA. But I think he's a guy who can be at the top of the card and keep keep a lot of things together and hold storylines together. He can work with just about anyone, and he's a he's a guy that would bring um bring some stability and some leadership to. I think you know you look at him as a leader, locker room leader. I think uh, to help you out. So I agree with keeping keeping those ones. I would definitely 100% sting. Um, he he is used. Yeah, you got to use the line. He is he is the Undertaker for WC. He's their version of the Undertaker, and in fact, that's how I think he needs to be. He would need to be presented. He would he he should be getting presented as that as that um, that legend, that living legend, that that active legend, like Undertaker. He had his wins, he had his losses, he didn't need to be champion. Sting doesn't need to be champion, but Sting's the guy that you've everyone's gonna run into him at some point. He he's the conscience of WCW, I guess, is the is yeah. the way yeah, the term that gets used. I agree with you 100 And, um, put it. and he, he could have done so much uh with him. Another and look, I I also agree with you about the the perceptions of Scott Steiner. I think you need to sign him initially. And when we talk shortly about about what we've been looking at in the main event scene, I think where things had gone, he needs mm-hmm. to be there when you when you are restarting this company, when you're continuing this company on television and pay per view. He needs to be there at the beginning. But whether but if his antics, he's someone that I wouldn't be surprised if you ended up releasing him down the track because you're just not going to put up with his BS anymore. He he acts up. You're gonna you're gonna toss him to the curb. So I wouldn't want to make him. Uh, I wouldn't want to make him the foundation of the company. I probably wouldn't want to have the belt on him. But there are things that could be done with him early on, and if he behaves, hey, you can you know he he may be able to become more valuable down the track. But I think he was uh, he was a hothead at this time. He was unpredictable, and and you really couldn't weren't 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 going to know what you're going to get. The other guy I'd look to to sign up, not necessarily to be an in-ring talent a lot of the time, but I think Ric Flair had a lot to offer. And we've we've seen in WWE he had a lot to offer as a as a character, as a performer. He's a guy that you could have put in a few different roles, whether it be an authority figure, a manager, someone bringing up guys, the the the, the grizzled veteran who has those occasional matches. I think Ric Flair brings that legacy element that um, allows you to tie all the way back to the beginning. I think that's a, that's another guy I would probably look at wanting on the roster um, to do something. Um, most likely uh, probably more of an authority figure or a – Almost the way he came into WWE, that authority figure who's who's the people's boss. I think it, it would work well for a while, and then you could look at him doing similar what he did with Hunter, finding a guy who he's going to build as his as the future main heel. Whether it, you know, I think you you could do a very similar role that he did there in WCW, but I think he he brings legitimacy to the legacy of the company. And I would want to have him as well. 
Mm. Yeah, I. You know, I, I'm sorry. I feel I, I. I'm. I'm sad. I. I didn't think of Ric Flair, but here's the thing about about Slick Rick. In our universe, Dave is he having the same kind of moderate mental problems that uh, that uh, uh, he has in the pri- in the in our prime universe? Because, as you know, when WCW closed, he was pissed off. He was not in shape. Uh, he was emotionally wrecked. So. In this alternate universe, is that still a thing? Um, if the I answer is you, yes, I, I then... think the answer initially would be yes. You'd have to assume there are things he's got to overcome. But I think if you've got the right management structure in place and you are getting his input, I mean, a lot of it comes down to, like you said, how he was presented, how he was used. He really was. His legacy was tarnished so much by. Bischoff and Russo and 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 everything that happened with Nash and Hogan and and I think if you if you are talking to him about the role you want him to play and how he might have he a lot of his he's shared in his book a lot of his his head issues are to do with how he would be in the ring but if you're using him as a as a mouthpiece as a as a authority type figure as someone to help you know, talk for others. He could still do that, and he knew he could still do that. So you can you could bring him along and give him time to adjust, and then you know you get the right guys around him to build to build him up. A Jared, a, mm-hmm. a Sting, who are going to be in his ear, guys who he trusts. Who, you know, going to be in his ear, going, "Hey, look, we can do one more, one more match. You you know, you get yourself in shape. We can we can tear the house down." And I think. You could rebuild him. It would. It might take a little bit longer, but I think it would be possible. Mm. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you. Uh, and Flair, you know, at this point, you know, you're curious about. Uh, you're curious about Flair wanting to go back to the WWF. You know how you know how Flair is. Flair, Flair, and Crockett were always a marriage, and. Uh, you know, WWF was was the mistress uh, because every time you know he get he'd get treated like crap in w, in WCW or NWA, whether it was eighty seven or eighty eight or ninety or whatever, there was always possibly a chance, um, you know, a chance uh, uh, that he could go to the WWF, but eventually. He would go back to WCW or NWA, even if he knew he was being treated like garbage. And then finally, by 91, when when Jim Hurd was really went over the edge, he's like, all right, screw this. I'm, I'm going to see Vince for a couple of years. So in 2001, the question would be, how much more does Flair have left? And here's an interesting one, Dave. Like you said, guys would help him out and he would put guys over and such, but. Would the Booking Brain Trust, which I guess you have tasked on us, on you and I, which I I, I approve, <laughs> uh, would he eventually go back to being the man? Would he eventually be world's heavyweight champion? Would we book him at the top? And well, I, would be, I would be torn on that because on the one hand, it's Slick Rick. But on the other hand, 2001 Slick Rick is not 1985 Slick Rick. So he's 
It's not even 1995 Slick Rick, maybe. Uh, could he still go? Of course he could. He was going until 2008 when he retired. Uh, but is he a guy that would eventually be needed to become world champion again or uh, to be a valuable commodity? You know what I mean? Yeah, I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure that you'd ever want, you'd ever be looking at him as a long-term player. I think uh, we, um, uh, those of you who've been listening to us for a while, we uh, we tossed around some ideas uh, a, a few episodes ago about um, Ric Flair's retirement. And, uh, right. Yep. And, and one way to use him might have been one last, one last victory, sort of a shock victory to win a world championship at the end. I, I could see you, you know, maybe doing something like that. Lord of, when when it's time for you know, you, you have that shock moment where he where he pulls one out of the bag, but it never is a long term thing. More of a more from a nostalgic point of view. Is is how I would look at it. I don't think he can be the the man anymore. I don't think you want him. You want to build. You don't want to build around him. You're wanting to build around the, f- the future. Um, but you can use him to help build the future. I think is 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 where the benefit of, of Slick Rick is. So, so that's uh, yeah. There, there's some of our top. There's some of our top guys. Um, what about what about you know? We're not going to go through the whole roster, but just. Some of the other guys on the roster, are there guys there that you that you would be like, yeah, we need to keep them because, you know, we need to look for ways to use them, you know, undercard guys, lower level guys. Who would you who would you be targeting as we've got to have them on the roster because there's something in them for the future? Mm. Uh, well, one thing I would definitely do is whenever this guy's contract is up and I have no issues with him now and I know he's, you know he's an up and down guy and either love him or you hate him. But one guy that, that the management would really have to take a hard look at as to whether they wanted him around is Lex Luger. Uh, I mean, 2099 to Oh one Lex was just unwatchable crap. I mean, it really was. And then you have what happened with, you know, you would have what happened with, with Elizabeth. Now that doesn't happen until after W. Now, now here's an interesting thing. All right. All to universe, Dave. If this continues and Elizabeth and the same thing happens that happens in the prime universe and Elizabeth, you know, passes away in 2003 and all the all the the weird stuff that went on. Is Luger is Luger a liability? Uh, I mean, coming coming from a guy. uh who was not the biggest Luger fan in the end. I don't know. And if we're in charge of the booking, I don't think there's any room for Lex Luger, to be honest. Um, another guy that I would probably have gotten rid of, because even though he he had a good looking build and everything, a guy that I probably would not have kept around was Buff Bagwell. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't think, I honestly don't think, I don't think he took the business seriously. And I think he was kind of a hump. So yeah. what what they did to him on that uh, Raw in Tacoma or SmackDown in Tacoma, I would do too. Um, yeah. um, I kind of dug Vampiro. That's a guy I would have kept around. Kind of dug yeah. his character. Uh, I like Vampiro. Hmm. Um, hmm. 
I would definitely go through the uh, the mid card in terms of those factions, like you know, athlete, you know, misfits in action, or oh, Ray. Oh my God, I would totally keep Ray. Yes, gotta keep Ray. Duh. Uh, 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 here's an interesting thing. Even though they all left in 2000, well, we're not talking about guys from other com- promotions, so we'll we'll, we'll go. Not yet, not yet. We'll, we'll get to them later. Yeah, yeah, we'll get to there. I never. I was going to bring up somebody, and then I realized he technically wasn't there, so we'll we'll hold off on that. Um. Oh God. Um. I, I think I, I'll jump in here. I think yeah, you know, you, you've, you've said Ray. Um, I think guys like Ray, Billy Kidman. Um, yeah, Kidman. Yep. Helms. I think I think what Helms did in WWE and and the use of the Hurricane character, I would have loved to have seen that. Um, given you know, I think Helms demonstrated he he could do a lot in the ring, and um, whether it's whether it's bringing the Hurricane character to life in WCW or not, I think I think Helms would be that they're three guys that you would probably look at building the division that the cruiserweight division around Ray and and Ray we know can go on to do other things down the track, and you know whether it, yeah cruiserweight guys get built into the other parts of the roster. I mean that's all that's all future booking as well. I think at the time now I know in hindsight they never really they never really made it in WWE but in but at the time I think three guys had a lot of potential mm-hmm. could have possibly been used uh, a uh, the the natural born thrillers Sean O'Hare Chuck Palumbo Mark Jindrak I think those three guys at the time they were viewed as having potential. Clearly, WWE thought they did because they tried to use each of them um, yep. several several times. Um, I think, you know, I think image and various factors played in there. But there's certainly – they'd be three guys that I'd be looking at at keeping um, and seeing if you can do something with them uh, because they're, they're future. They're guys that you can maybe build into in the future. Um, I, I always liked Lance Storm's character in WCW. I thought he was tremendous with what he brought when he came over from ECW. And then and then a guy, a couple of, an underneath guy, I mean, he'd only just really started in the company at the time, and you, and I'll talk about him more later on, but, you know, you, you can't go past AJ Styles. You, you've got to, you've got to, Look at ways to use him. You're going to build him through the ranks completely. I think his yeah talent, his talent is going to allow you to get more out of it. You you're going to see him as well. We can do a few things with him as a cruiserweight. He only just joined the company and and obviously was impressing. But when when the company goes under, I think you you're going to sign him and a couple of other underneath cruiserweight guys as well. We've got to have our next generation of cruiserweights, but then we know what AJ becomes. I think he becomes the a guy that you're going to get a lot more out of than you thought at the time. Right. But AJ, I didn't mention, I yeah, let me just mention AJ for a minute, Dave, because I didn't, that was a guy that I was not thinking of yet because I know eventually we're going to get into like guys that are kind of floating around. I know AJ was kind of bouncing around in 2000. Um, I know he was still kind of mostly in the indies and he, did he have was, a cup of coffee on like he velocity. Was primar- well, see, he was primarily working in NWA Wildside, which by late 2000 was was actually a development territory for WCW. They had a lot of their under contract guys right. down there, 
and AJ Styles was was one of the guys that was put on a contract because of his work down there. And and just at the very end, he came on. He had a few TV appearances. Uh, even got a you know as a tag. It was him and you know, is it Air Paris, Air Air Stud, you know, something Air Raid or whatever. Right. Whatever that, whatever they were, but they were they were that in that cruiser tag division they were being brought in, but they were certainly they got some TV time. Yeah, you know, last couple of episodes right before the company shuts down, they're they're starting to get TV time, and then the company goes under. So the, the, there was something in them. They, they were they were looked at as 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 potential future guys. Yeah, I'm looking now, trying to see. Uh, let's see. Um, uh, Air raid. Yeah, it was him in uh, Paris. Yep. Um, Air Paris. That was his name, Air Paris. Yeah, it was his name Air Paris. Yeah, it was uh, yeah. Frank Paris. Yep, went by Air Paris. Forty three. He's from Georgia too. Um, yeah, they were they were Air Raid and Atlanta W. Zero Styles and Air Raid. The team's gimmick saw both men dressed in G suits with Air Raid also appearing on Thunder on the March fifth oh one episode of Nitro. They were entered into a tournament for the newly created WCW Cruiserweight Tag Titles, but were eliminated in the first round by Elix Skipper and Kid Romeo. Uh, yeah. All right. So I will. I will add. Uh, I would add AJ Styles to my list. I definitely. I definitely would because uh, we do have to have like some. Uh, we do need to have some uh, 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 tags, some tag teams. Hmm. Um. I like your Gingerack. I was, I guess I was kind of blocked in my mind on the factions. Uh, what made me laugh was you had Gingerack and O'Hare and Palumbo, but everybody loved Mike Sanders. Now, there's only one Steve Grunberg, uh, I almost said Steve Gutenberg, his own James Grunberg in the world, who's the biggest uh, Mike Sanders fan on the planet. I've never heard anybody, I've never heard, I've never had to hear myself say uh, greatest Mike Sanders fan on the planet. But, I, I think he was overrated, and, and once he got to TNA in O2, we realized he was. Yeah. But those other guys, um, uh, he, those three guys, those big dudes, definitely would have been, um, uh, U.S. Ter- U.S. Championship contenders. And yeah. he, and you know, I probably would have, I will say this, uh, I'll say this, uh, Dave, I probably would have brought back the TV title. Uh, the TV mm-hmm. title pretty much went under when they did that whole reboot thing in 2000, I would have brought back the TV title. Cause I think that's a good little secondary belt. I like it. Mm-hmm. Would you have brought back the TV title? Um, yeah, possibly. I, I think, um, I think it depends on how, how things were going. Um, I, sure. I, I think I would have probably put a little more emphasis on the cruiserweight, uh, the cruiserweight title and that, and the division, I think had the potential to probably be where you could bring some stars through and, um, you know, you're using the United States title. So the TV title could be, could be a benefit, but I, I, you don't want to be oversaturated either. So I, I think that'd be something I, I would consider. I'm not sure. Okay, I definitely would not do the cruiserweight tag titles. I think that's too much. I think that's overkill. Mm. One tag, one one pair of tag team titles is enough. I don't think. Yeah. I, I don't think you need you need a second pair. Like I wouldn't. I wouldn't even do a U.S. tag team title. I think that. I think that's probably. Nah. You know, because we don't have a we don't have a roster that would be that big like a like a mm. WWF where you would need a zillion guys and have to you know supplement them with all these belts. 
Okay, I was just curious. So, Gingerak, O'Hare, and Palumbo, those guys I would definitely push. I probably would have dumped Mike Sanders. I think he was overrated crap. But that's just, that's just, that's just my thing. Um, guys like Hoovy, Ray, Psychosis. Um, I would have definitely kept those guys around. Uh, I'm trying to think of, like, what about... I got a guy because technically he debuted at WrestleMania 17. So he technically was not with the company when they went under. And that's Rhino. Mm, I would have brought brought Rhino into WC. I would have brought him into uh, when ECW went under. So by the time, uh, the reason I'm mentioning him, Dave, is because my, my, I feel like he would have probably done well in WCW and had been there already before we got to this point. So I'm kind of cheating a little bit, but yeah. Well, I guess I, that brings us. I guess that brings us on to the to 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 the next next question, that, the, okay. the next part, which is which is guys from outside WCW who who you know because you can't rely on everyone that was there. We know that because they there's a lot of guys that have a bit of a bad history. There are guys that um oh, I guess I've, I've skipped one question. Guys that I I wouldn't want to have. Yeah, we mentioned a couple of guys we wouldn't want to have. You mentioned Buff. We mentioned probably Lex. I would probably also steer clear of bringing in Nash and Hall and and, and Hogan. I, I think oh, yeah. their time their time is done. The politics that they bring uh, is is I, I wouldn't want anywhere near my company. And I'll probably be avoiding someone like Shane Douglas as well. Um, I think you know he, he's he's had a he, his ECW career was great, but I, I just don't think. He's returned to WCW. I don't think he's someone that I would want. I would want around. Um, you, you know, you hear a little bit about his, the way he was backstage and his attitude to 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 the business is probably not the best at that time. And you wanting you wanting to have a bit of a mixture of. So I think I think we've we've sort of targeted. We've had some veteran guys. We've got some up and coming guys. I don't think Douglas fits the mold of. He's not someone that I I would want to push moving forward. But I don't think he would want to be on the roster if he's going to be losing every other week and putting guys over all the time. So I think it would probably be a mutual decision. He'd probably be like, "Yeah, we're not looking at using you. Well, then I don't want to be here." And you know, if and you know how he feels about Flair. So and if we yeah. keep Flair in a prominent role, he ain't going to stick around. So, yeah. Um, I'll tell you this. You know who I would keep Who's on that? my booking committee? Not now. I'm not talking about. Uh, let's 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 let's. Let's uh, take a parking spot for a minute and go off the talent part. This guy I would want on my booking committee, and that's Dusty Rhodes. Okay, gotta have, gotta have the, gotta have the dream before WWF snatches him up. Even though we're mm-hmm. what twelve years before uh, before NXT, I would so keep Dusty on booking. Now I know on, I know on booking but not in charge on on booking but not in charge. No, no, just as a guy, just as a writer. We, you and I are in charge. Yes. <laughs> Dream, you got to answer to us, baby. Um, That's right, baby. Uh, but uh, yeah, I, I think we need uh, we need Dusty because I think he, I think we need to keep the yeah. Do we need some fresh uh, you know some fresh thinking? Yes, but do we need uh? Uh, do we, do we need somebody to kind of keep us stable? Yeah. Yeah. 
And, and so. look, I, I think tied in there, he, he's one that was on the roster at the time. I don't think he, I don't think he was being used properly at the time. But we certainly know he he's a guy that um, can bring a lot to the table. And by 2001, um, certainly his experience and leadership is, is Dusty's boy, Dustin. Dustin was yes. was was on was on roster, and we know that he he's he's still going strong today in AEW, and and there's a lot of good talk about the role he plays in in the company there. I think. I think there would be ways to use Dustin better than he ever was used in WCW on that last run, and uh, he's he's still got a lot in the tank. Definitely, yes, I like Dustin there. Even if he uh, transitions from from possible uh, talent to management to an agent, I, I would see that as well. Uh, how about? I would definitely not. Do a tank Abbott. I think no. he was just that was a, that another, was a Vince another one that's out the door. Yep. Bye bye yep. tank. Bye bye tank. Sorry, Vince Russo's not here. We ain't bringing him in either, bro. Yeah. Back um, to UFC. Yeah, back to UFC. Uh, take, take, uh, take Russo with you to UFC. That that could be interesting. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> I can see that definitely. He would fit that role, but not on our payroll. Uh, what about um? Let me take a look at, you know, let me take a look at, say, the last pay-per-view before those. So what was that, Greed? Yep. That was Greed, right? It was the last pay-per-view? Yeah, Greed, um, March 18th. Yep, March 18th, 2001. So you look, so Shane Hell, let's see. So you got Jason Jett, Kiwi. I would definitely keep uh, Elix Skipper. Mm-hmm. Um, Kid Romeo I was 50-50 on, but I liked Elix Skipper. I keep Kidman, keep Ray, Sean Stasiak. Eh, eh. Yeah. What about a guy like Bam Bam Bigelow? I think he falls into the, what I was suggesting about um, Shane Douglas. He, he's a veteran talent, but if you're not looking at building around him, do you really want to be keeping him on the roster? And maybe, yeah, I, I think I'd be looking at probably he'd be probably more likely to give him a chance to go and go back to Japan and do stuff in Japan rather than have him putting guys over left and right on, on a, on a roster moving forward. Uh, yeah, you're probably right. How about, Oh, I got a great guy. He's on one of these tag teams. How about Lance storm? Yeah, I said that before I said yeah. that Lance, I always liked his character. Yeah. Um, I like Lance too. Yeah. Was, you did say Lance. My bad. He's two got. Two guys I am I, – one guy I definitely would not – I would not have him. You might have a different opinion. I wouldn't want Conan. I was never a Conan fan. I don't I'm not think, either. I don't I'm think much either. of his in-ring, um, in-ring talent. I never liked his character in WCW. I wouldn't want him anywhere near my company. Yeah, you mentioned Mike Awesome. That's a, He's another one that's kind of a – an untrustworthy head case. I don't know if I, after what happened in 2000 with him and the, and yeah. taking the ECW belt to W like, I, I don't know if I want to deal with that kind of crap either. Um, yeah. uh, Ernest Miller, he'd be a pretty good, uh, he'd be a pretty good manager to work too, but he's pretty good manager. Um, hmm. what about Rick Steiner? I think he's, 
think he was kind of over the hill. I have a feeling he'd be a lot like Scott. I think he'd be too much. I, I think he's, he's an interesting case. I think he already had moved into the role of being willing to put guys over. He could be useful to have on the roster as that veteran talent to put over some of the younger guys. But I think you, you're running the same thing with him and Scott. Like, you know, you you step out of line, one one bad move, and, and you, you're, you're on your bike. You, you're out of here. Right, right. Yeah. So, yeah. Okay. But, yeah. Okay. So that's – um. That's I think there's a few guys there we'd be saying we wouldn't want around. Let, let, let's go back. Let's go where we were heading a moment ago. And, and sure. And outside the company. Who are you wanting to bring in? You've already mentioned Rhino. Who who who's out there? And we're we, we're going. Obviously, we're targeting sort of that March April. We're targeting this time period when ECW has just collapsed. There are a couple of WWE guys that have that have they've lost their their spots. Um, so I'm gonna I'm gonna put I'm gonna put it like this: two or three guys on the who are maybe unemployed or recently, you know, most likely not yet picked up. Um, that you would want to bring in to, to to work around, and maybe you know, let's throw it out there. The, the, if the company is around and they're and they're, you know, WCW is ongoing. There's going to be bidding wars for some WWE talent. One or two WWE guys that were on roster in 2001 that you know might have been willing to jump shit. So obviously not a you're not going to get a, a Stone Cold and a Rock, but no, but no, no, guys that you know so. So two or three guys that are that are out there that you that you definitely be wanting to bring in, and maybe one or two WWF guys you're hoping to poach. Uh, well, let's think of guys in like '99 or 2000 that that probably would have been unhappy in 99 or 2000 um and into 2001 uh um maybe a guy like test yeah test might have been a guy that 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 maybe thought greener pastures could have been in wcw yeah uh maybe hmm uh, what about say? Well, see, the Dudley Boys had already left. I don't know about. I mean, obviously the. I don't know. I don't know if they would have gone after the Hardys. I think the Hardys liked. The, I think the WWF crowd liked the Hardys. I don't yeah. think they would have ever left there. Um. Yeah. Hmm. Who was unhappy or who was useless? And uh, do you think a guy like a like a like a Raven. Although Raven was already in WCW and we know how that went. Um, yeah. yeah. How about a hard, I, 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 two, two guys, that, two guys that I would look at maybe throwing money at, um, not so much from a, they're unhappy, but two guys you might have been able to, uh, entice over might be Edge and Christian. Um, I, I don't say that that they because we know that the careers that they had, right. but in two, you know, in 
you know, sort of moving into 2001, you know, they've done the tag team for a couple of years. They were probably not not yet quite ready to be moved up by by Vince, but they might have felt they were ready. And maybe if enough money was thrown at them and the right promises were made, you might have been able to entice an edge or a Christian over um, to to jump ship. Maybe that you know, like I said, these are these are just these are guys. Certainly, guys of worth, I'd be worth. I'd, I'd like to try and have a conversation with. Hey, guys, come over. I think we can do something with you. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's that's in it. Yeah. The, the Edge of Christian thing is interesting. I'm surprised you brought them up, Dave, because... Uh, hmm. Hmm. I feel like Edge would be very loyal. Christian, I don't know. Because Christian always, I think, got a feel from the company that, that he was never in Edge's level. I think they always wanted yeah. to... I think he always wanted to be... Um, a, a WWE guy, and I think they felt Edge was his own guy, and he mm. was a, a future star. And Vince, Vince always kind of thought Christian was kind of like a secondary. Christian, I could easily see as somebody who could definitely thrive in a rejuvenated WCW. Yeah, maybe working with Jarrett and being like a a cleaner, uh, you know, a cleaner. Um, uh, uh, heel stable, you know. Mm. So, I, I I like that idea. Um, looking at the rest of the problem at WWF in one Dave is that everybody was happy. I got one. I got one. Oh my god! I can't believe I just I do only in our heads. Are we? If we're establishing, I, I might be going off the path here a bit, Dave, and tell me if I am. Mm. Uh, thinking about a women's division. Mm-hmm. I think you know where I might be going. You want to yeah. talk about somebody that needed a change of scenery in 2001? China. Yeah. That, that, China, that, would gone, China would have gone to a rejuvenated WCW in a heartbeat. I, I think you're right. I think, and, and it doesn't need to be a women's division. She's proven she can go with the men. I think as a character and as a personality, she brings something to the mix that that you would want to pick up. So I like that thought. Um, mm. throw, throw some money at her and um, and see if she comes. I, I think I agree with you. There's a lot of guys that, you know, 2001 WWE roster really is on the up. Um, there's not a lot of guys that, that are probably on the downward downward spiral. But, yeah, China is something, I think, who would benefit from it from a change of scenery. What about, what about outside? I, I mean, my, my number one target would be Rob Van Dam. Yeah, definitely. Hmm. Um, RVD. Um, I would think perhaps maybe we start poking into uh, Japan because all Japan kind of hit the toilet uh, and New Japan was kind of in a transition stage. So maybe there's guys like a Hashimoto. Was he still alive in a one? I think so. Um, maybe a Muda 
I know he's older, but he's a commodity in WCW at that well, time. He, he he's a commodity. I I I like the idea of of of, of Muda because he's a commodity that has the history in the company. Correct. He's, he he certainly by 2001 2002 was becoming one of the top guys in Japan. So he's a guy you could bring over and use him correctly. You could really use him at the top of the card. Yeah. Um, as a main event player. Here's one for you, not contracted to anyone at the time, but certainly recent enough in WWE that could make a name value. What about Ken Shamrock? Well, Kenny was Kenny kind of vanished, and we all know where Kenny would go in 2002. Uh, uh, so I I like your I don't think you're you're too off with your thinking uh, there, because mm. we're thinking of guys that left in like '99 and. And uh, in 2000, um, yeah, I, I like that idea a lot, actually. I like mm-hmm. Ken Shamrock. What about a guy, you know, we're trying to think about guys that left in 99 or and went to WCW and then maybe didn't go anywhere else. Um, trying to think of some other ECW guys. Um, hmm. Interesting. What other guys in in ECW? would or that that didn't go anywhere hmm. i'm gonna do this dave i'm gonna go to let's see um victory road 2004 i'm looking at the first pay-per-view in tna because we're gonna talk about that in a minute yeah uh there's guys like monty brown Guys like Petey Williams, you know, some of these guys, some of these indie guys that were kind of floating around um, mm. and, and didn't have anywhere to really to go yet. Uh, Ron Killings. I like he Ron was still, Killings. Yeah, but he was still he, he was still K quick in WWE. In, in, in I thought he left in 01. How long was he in 01? Because I'm watching. What am I? What are my chrono watches? I'm in November of 01. And I thought he was gone by then. No. Yeah, but. Um, he might have been gone by November, but I'm just bringing up. I'm just popping back into. I was in uh, historyofwwe.com, and in you know around the time of WrestleMania, um, Hey Quick wrestles the following night. Um, he's on. He's on Jacked. He's getting victories on Jacked. He's he's wrestling on. Oh, okay. On Raw and SmackDown, so he's still he's still. With the company in April 2001. Wow. That's crazy. <laughs> I thought he was gone. Mm. Um, Actually, I'll tell, you, I'll tell you a WWE guy who I would throw some money at. And this is from a different perspective. But in 2001, if I'm rebuilding WCW and I'm rebuilding the Cruiserweight division, mm-hmm. I'd look at trying to bring in Tucker Michinoku. He was – they were done with him. Like, he was – the the Kai and Ty were just job a tag team by by mid – by early 2001. They were they – were, he was looking to get out of there. I think mm-hmm. if you brought him over, you could turn him into that showpiece of, uh, you know, one of those – a new a new player in the cruiserweight division in WCW. I think he'd have a, a field day working with some new talent. I like that idea. I think we're – because we're definitely talking about – uh, you know, we're definitely talking about keeping the um, 
the cruiserweight division strong. Mm. Um, so I think Ataka would be a nice, I think that'd be a nice choice. Um, I think a guy like a great Sasuke, um, you know, cause he kind of vanished in 97. He was part of that, that kind of situation and it didn't work out for him. Um, um, how about some of these guys that were kind of in the, in the Indies that would, that would end up in, in what would be TNA. Like where were guys like Bobby Roode? Like where were they in 2001? You know, they, like, were, still, they were still coming up. I think they were still cutting their teeth in, uh, you know, in, 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 in the, in the lower indie circuit. Hmm. Um, I know, I know that Chris Harris and James Storm were on WCW developmental contracts um, when the company went went under, right? And they certainly had pretty good TNA careers. They did, and I and I think they'd be a great tag team. I think they could be a team we would boost up, and and they could be a a new up, you know, a new dominant babyface. I suppose tag team that could end up turning heel. Uh, throughout the next couple of years in WCW. I like that idea. Uh, I would definitely go for a Bobby Roode and a Petey Williams and some of those guys. Here's an interesting thinking, Dave, considering about poaching. Now, obviously, OVW was contracted to to WWF. Mm -hmm. But if you're, if we had good enough scouting and we went down to Kentucky and we're looking at Brock Lesnar and we're looking at Shelton Benjamin and, and, John Cena, Randy Orton, Batista, and you think to yourself, wow, we can make these guys kind of cool, and, you know, they're making shit right now. Hmm? You know? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, it's easy. It's I, I'm thinking it's easy to think that, but I think WWE would have had probably something on their contracts. Guys like that wouldn't have been going anywhere, I think. Yeah, they, you're probably right. Been, probably, probably too, been... too easy. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> too easy. Yeah. Uh, nah, good point. Good point. Oh, well, we could we could go through lists of people for a long time, but I, know. I think we've highlighted I think we've highlighted some guys that would be yeah. looking to bring in new new talent to bring in. I think the big player I think we've both agreed on is RVD, and I and I liked your idea of bringing Muda back or one of the other top Japanese guys. I think I think there'd be some some guys there. Look, before we move on to perhaps some what some of the storylines or booking might look like. Would you be bringing anyone in as a commentator? Would you be looking at bringing in Joey Styles, or would you want to just use the the guys that they had? Well, we definitely, I definitely would have kept Tony Schiavone because Tony's fucking great. Uh, I would have probably, I might have kept, um, depending on how many shows, I might have kept Scott Hudson because I like Scott. I would have definitely fired Mark Madden's useless ass because he would be yeah. sucked. Um, probably. What do you think about Lee keeping a uh, big Larry, Larry Legend? What do you think? I I always like Larry as as a commentator. Um, but you know he'd been commentating since basically since the Dangerous Alliance. So since two thousand and two thousand, uh, sorry ninety two, he'd pretty much been right. on 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 commentary. And 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 maybe maybe again, you're looking at. Um, I, I think you, you know, keeping one or two of the old guys on is a good thing. I think you would probably want to bring someone in, and I, I think if if you were going to look at keeping a Hudson or a Shivani, I think 
Larry would be probably one of the guys that you just go, look, we really appreciate it, but we need to put someone new in that spot. Right. True. How about Taz? Well, he was he was rock solid in WWE at this point, wasn't he? Maybe maybe that's a guy you poach as a commentator. Maybe you know, as we're thinking of poaching, mm. I think a guy like Jr. is rock. Jr. is locked in. All right, how about this, Dave? <laughs> yeah, I think you know. I think you know where I'm going. I think I know where you might be going now. Well, maybe a certain guy that walks around with a one strap, uh, one strapped. Uh, uh, you know, wrestling tights and a crown decides, fuck you. I'm not waiting until Survivor Series. I was just, you know what? I, I think you'd be, I think there'd be a very legitimate chance with what went down in, in February 2001 and how Lawler was feeling about it. And we know, sadly, in the end, it was the wrong choice for him. He, he initially chose one, but I know where he was coming from at the time. Um, I could see him very quickly being picked up by WCW. I, I don't think they would – I think they would have thrown let, – let's put it this way. If, you know, Scott, I'll ask you – let me let me rephrase the question for you. Mm-hmm. We're in charge here. You're in charge of, of personnel, and you find out that Jerry Lawler is no longer under contract with WWE. He's just left the company. Are you throwing money at him? Are you saying, tell me, write your own check? Yeah, I do. Yeah, I agree. I do. Yeah, I do. Definitely. Yeah, I, I don't think see, I think why you. I don't see why you do. I don't see how you don't. You know, he he, we got it handed to us. You know, I don't see how you don't. Mm. And you have Shivani, Jerry. You know, and we'll have guys that Lawler could refer to in his you know mid you know in his Memphis days. We could do yeah. we could do some special shows at the Mid South Coliseum. <laughs> you know. Uh, yeah. I think that's something to think about. Yeah, yeah. definitely. I, I, I think that's I think that's that's a big that's a big thing. I, I I would be I would be throwing money at him. Just tell us what you want, Jerry. It's yours. We want you. Tell us what you want. And him and him and Tony, I think yeah, that they could make a good team. I think that that would be interesting to to hear them. Uh, you know, you got the you got the history. You've got you know the best, almost the best of both worlds. You know, it might it might rejuvenate Tony a little bit. Mm. We would do our oh. best. To rejuvenate Tony, Dave. Absolutely. <laughs> we would have to. Yep. All right. Well, there you go. There, there's there's some of the key players. There's there's some of the pieces uh, being put in place by the by this uh, by this new booking team of Scott Criscolo and David Hall. Um, mm-hmm. So, what's it going to look like? What what might what might how might some of this play out? So, we're, we're going to look at just a few different parts. I mean, like I said, not 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 month by month, but just a, just sort of the scene and what it might look like. And, uh, and 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 so the best place to stop to start is at the top. And I think I, I throw an idea. This this is how I would look at doing. It. And then I'd love to hear Scott whether you agree or whether you might go in a different direction. But this is this is what I would look at doing at the top of the card with with WCW. I think there there are two key players we're looking at here. One is Goldberg. One is Booker T. They're, they're sort of the guys I'm, I'm wanting to build around. Um, so I'm going to start with Booker T as, as world champion um, because I, I would have the belt on. I know Panama City, I know that was a WWE thing. I probably would probably look at having something done similar before the before the transition of ownership. I, I would get that belt on Booker T as quickly as you can. 
Yep. Because as I said, I don't want the title on Scott Steiner. No, absolutely um, not. I would probably do my first – I would probably build – whether you do it at the first pay-per-view um, that that we run as a company or you've got him coming in as the new champion, that you know, you're looking at Booker and Scott probably having that first – Booker taking the belt off Scott and having that sort of maybe a rematch there, just sort of that, you know, establishing Booker as champ. And then from there, I'm probably going to have a few months where Booker just – he takes on the top. He, he beats a Jarrett. He beats, uh, you know, whether you maybe have DDP as a, a, a face, you can maybe turn him heel. He's a guy you could easily do heel. Oh, yeah, maybe he beats, he, maybe he, maybe you have a run where he beats a Lance Stormer or, or a Sean O'Hare, someone who's up and coming and maybe earns a shot. But I'd have Booker T run through a few guys. You know, he's he's going to win, you know, defense after defense for a few months. So that that's how I'm 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 holding Booker at that on that side. On the other side of the picture, we bring back Goldberg. So the storyline that WCW had used was Scott Steiner had beaten Goldberg in a loser leaves town match. Um, it was in February or March or, or, or whatever. So Goldberg's technically off the scene. I would bring him back in a big way. I'll probably even like you'd hype that he's coming back. I'd probably even have him spear the crap out of Scott Steiner in a, in a in maybe in the rematch against Booker T. He spears Scott Steiner, and so Scott wants a, a match again, and he just absolutely pulverizes Steiner. And then you start doing the same thing with Booker with Goldberg. You get him going on. He goes on another streak. He's beating everyone that puts you put in front of him. It can be up and comers. It can be bringing someone in. Whoever you know, maybe maybe you have him face Muda. Um, you know, the best from Japan and, and do whatever. Right. And sort of around the middle of the year, I would start to have a change of um, attitude in Booker T. I think I'd have Booker T start to put out the whole, well, I'm the champ. I've been the champ for my, maybe the longest reigning. You know, he might have overbought for six months, but maybe he's the longest reigning WCW champ in years because – the belt changed hands every other day, so it's right. you could sort of you got to sort of play up the whole thing that he's he's beating everyone. So maybe the arrogance comes in. Maybe a little similar to the sort of character you got with King Booker in WWF. Like not not that you'd have him as the King Booker, but just that arrogance that I'm the greatest, I'm the best, and you could have him start to turn heel, and then he starts beating some of the the faces. You know, he, he's beating a um, you know. You know, a, a Rey Mysterio and a, you know, whoever else is, you know, DDP is a good guy, whoever. He beats a Sting. Maybe there's your Halloween Havoc match. He beats Sting. Um, so really putting over this thing. And I would be building to Booker T and Goldberg at Starcade at the end oh. of the year. With both guys coming in on these hot, unbeaten runs. And Booker T having transitioned to the heel so that you've got a, a face Goldberg coming in against a heel Booker T. That's that's the direction I'd probably take the the world title scene through the year. What are your thoughts on that, Scott? Is would you would you look at doing things a bit differently? How would you view the world title picture? I definitely definitely gotta keep Booker strong as a baby face, and I definitely like the I definitely like the uh, the. Eventually, it starts to get to him, or he, shall we say, he uh, uh, 
maybe get some bad advice from a manager or something of mm-hmm. that nature. Um, you know, I think maybe Jerry Lawler kind of gets in Booker's ear. He could be like manager slash announcer. I mm-hmm. also, I definitely like, I, one guy that I think definitely has earned the right to stay in the main event picture, even if he's maybe U.S. champion for a time, would be DDP. I agree with you mm-hmm. on that. I like DDP at the top of the card. Um, I would eventually try to create a faction with Booker T, build him up to be the biggest heel in wrestling, and yeah, mm-hmm. try to lead to Booker T and Goldberg at Starcade. Oh, I, I think it. Booker T needs to be built up I mean, uh, Goldberg needs to be built up at this point in 2001. If you're going to get back in the game and go up against the WWF, which is now the powerhouse that WCW was in, say, 96 or 97, uh, I think Goldberg needs to be at the top again. Yeah. That's what I think. But for the most part, I like I like your thinking. I like your I like the story you're telling. Um I like your idea of, of maybe getting a faction going. How's the? I'm just just thinking on the fly. What if, what if this is where you could utilize a Ric Flair? Ric oh, Flair. Yeah. Ric Flair could become that guy who's talking that like even when like even when he's a good guy, he could be encouraging Booker T. You're great, and I'm always here for you. And and then slowly you see Booker start to turn, but Flair's there in his ear as well, and. You know, always encouraging his chant to the point that maybe Flair becomes his manager and Flair encourages him. You know, talks about how I had the horseman and the horseman weighs there for me and, and lets, you know, and, and so Flair hand picks a couple of guys to Booker that Booker is going to work with, but in reality, they are in the longer term going to be the guys that are going to try and help keep the belt on him. So as he becomes a heel, you know, you, you've got to use the heel antics. So I think I could, I could. That could be an interesting little story. Yeah, no, I agree. And I think, again, I think Flair is a guy that you could really rely on, uh, you know, that you could really rely on uh, in any capacity. Like I said, you know, he's got to get built up. He's a guy that you've got to, um, you know, that you kind of got to get his his emotional stability back, meaning Flair and his confidence back. I think this is a great opportunity to do that to help build up these other, you know, to build up a booker and kind of put some guys together. Maybe, maybe let me tell you something. Flair's the kind of guy that you help build up a Jindrak and O'Hare, a Palumbo. Mm. Yeah, definitely. You build yeah. those guys up and you make them studs and set them free. Yeah. So, yeah. I'm a, but then again, you know me, Dave, I'm a junkie for factions. So I, <laughs> I'm a mark for that stuff. So I, I got no problem with, uh, with factions, no problems at all. But I like that idea. Um, yeah. yeah. So I, I, I definitely think that DDP, like having Booker at the front of this faction to go up against uh, Goldberg and and be like, listen, this is a new, this is a new, uh, uh, this is a new. WCW Goldberg Bischoff's not here to coddle you. All right. We, we, we are not here to make things easy for you. All right. We're not going to do like Eric Bischoff did and uh, give you kick cupcake opponents like Kevin. Nat. you know, start needling and be like, uh, you know, and then 
you know, just become you, you, you become that, you know, remember last year we were doing the whole millionaires club. Well, you're the millionaire now Goldberg and I, Ric Flair have the new blood and, but you spin it to where Goldberg's not any of these things. And Ric Flair is just trying to pull the wool over our eyes. Yeah. uh, And you build all year uh, to that point. Now I would be careful about, about some other guys' heels. I wouldn't, I think DDP is a great baby face. Yeah. Um, and maybe maybe, maybe there's your turn. Maybe maybe he's the guy you use to turn Booker T. Like DDP maybe earns a shot, and that's when Booker T goes heel, goes full fledged heel. Is in in in, right. in, a, in a match against DDP. Uh, yeah, I would do that. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think that you start to Booker T starts helping boost these younger guys, the Gingerax, the O'Hares, and and one of those guys becomes United States heavyweight champion. Perhaps you put you know maybe make Gingerack US champion. You keep that O'Hare Palumbo team going. They become, you know, their tag team champions. Yeah. They were tag team champions in 01. And you start yeah. to and you just start loading up this faction and slowly mm. but surely a guy like an AJ Styles, Dave you really get in there and and, uh, and start promoting him and start pushing him and get some of these baby faces. And by the time we get to, uh, you know, we get to Star K 2001, we've got a card loaded with established veterans in face and heel roles and a bunch of guys that, that could take on the WWF in 2002. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, 2002 be a very interesting year for WWF. And WCW, if they existed uh, in our universe, because some guys that go in 2002 may not. You know, that's right. Mm. I have a question, Dave. Yep. Uh, so let's be honest. In the alternate, in this alternate universe, although I think you're, I think this question's coming up on our. Are we gotten there yet? Oh no, we're. Uh, oh okay. Um, to filler TV. Oh, we did focus on this. Okay. Um, because I feel like now, if I'm jumping around, I apologize, but I have this in my head. I have this in my head right now. In our alternate universe, I still think Ring of Honor does start. Mm hmm. But I don't think I obviously with if WCW still around, I don't think we ever get a TNA because I think there's no, no need for it. No, there's no there's need. Not. There's not. And, yeah. and, and, the, and, and the thing it's it'd be very it's very what I want to be careful here is it, it'd be very easy to just everything becomes what TNA becomes. And I, I, I don't and I don't I don't I wouldn't I wouldn't think I think if you book WCW correctly, you wouldn't have that uh, that concern. I think um you know, like you said, the the right mix of of up and comers with some of these veteran guys, I think, would would really help, uh, perhaps, re-energize some 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 people in this company, and 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 we'll see some uh, some good stuff happening. Yeah. Uh, mm. So that's that's I definitely think that that that's that's a case where we really start building guys and guys really start coming up, and uh, uh, I am optimistic that that the company we will be thriving with an amazing roster combination of youth 
and experience because I think we would definitely be culling all of these guys like the AJ Styles and some of these, you know, I think the Bobby Roods and these guys. And I think that 2002 would be a very interesting situation because here's my question. Steve Austin gets disgruntled with Uh Vince McMahon in 2002, as you know. He Mm. bails. Um... Oh, he was able to use Austin because his name was Steve Austin anyway. Mm. Does Stone Cold come back? Come, you know, does he somehow be like, you know, Vince, fuck you. And maybe he doesn't use the, the name Stone Cold. But all of a sudden. On our, you know, on our. Uh, Super Brawl. Well, no, because he left in what, June? So maybe like Bash at the Beach 2002. Wow. Holy crap. You know? It, it, very, very cool. Especially because the, uh, the, the people who his beef was with wouldn't be in the company. We, you know, if Bischoff's not there, you know, the Turner-ups aren't there. You, you, you're talking about a new, um, a new management structure. And if, if he's hearing through through you know guys like you know a D, you know people who he had relationship with when he was in the company a DDP a Dustin Rhodes guys that right. that he that guys that he trusts hey it's different it's different now um again i'd be throwing all the money in the world at him you know you, if you're free and you want to work we want you and you know you turn up we're you know this isn't going to be a build you up. It'll be you turn up and it's going to be Goldberg Austin as soon as we can make it. That that's what I'd be doing. Yeah, absolutely. Mm. Yeah. And and that way, you know, you can you can kind of filter Goldberg away from the world title mm. to help build other guys. And uh, I think it's very helpful mm. to to the youth to kind of be able to. Um, uh, you know, give the give the young guys a chance to shine with some championships, and then Goldberg and Austin could possibly be a build to, you know, say Starcade O two. Yeah, know? but I mean, we're lo- but I mean, we're going kind of crazy now, but um, <laughs> but you know, we're looking too far ahead, but. If you build to Booker and Goldberg at Starcade 01 with the with the talent we have and 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 make and have Booker T meander around through 2001 as world champion leading to a Booker Goldberg Starcade 01 WCW title match I think we could make some serious money and I, I think agree. and I think if we really push the the Gingrax the O'Hares the the Palumbos and keep Rey Mysterio see that's a big one Dave because I yeah. think we in WCW could be honored to be the one to make Rey Mysterio a world champion before WWF. And then we mm. wouldn't need Eddie, Eddie Guerrero dying to do that. <laughs> you that's know? That's right. And, and so, I think that's where the benefit uh, one, one thing I was going to, I was going to talk about and, and I mean, may as well talk about now. I think this is where the benefit of utilizing the cruiserweight division a bit better. Um, 
can pay dividends because I think the cruiserweight division, I mean, they're, they're, they've got those fast-paced matches, but you can make – you have the potential to make stars out of it. And I think you start when, – when you rebuild this company, you use guys like Billy Kidman and, and, and Ray as – They've been the cornerstone of the division. Maybe maybe you have Ray as your champion as quick as you can, but the premise being, you know, he's going to move out of there. He's going to he's going to become too big or too too important for the cruiserweights, and you're able to move him into the U.S. title scene, the you know, the world title picture, like you just said. Whether it's you know a couple of years for the world, but you can certainly get him up into the 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 secondary title quite quite quickly in 2001. He could be a guy feuding with uh, one-on-one with a Mark Jindrak, you know, help lead him through some matches. And maybe he doesn't win the title, but he can certainly make him look good and help bring the perception that Jindrak is a player. Um, you can rely on him to do that. And at the same time, you'd be working with guys like Lance Storm as well and other guys on the roster in that upper mid card, I think you, you're really going to get some good matches. And then and then you're able to, re, you know, you've got new guys coming through. And this is where I think you get your AJ Styles benefit, where I think it becomes a something unexpected. You probably have guys like an AJ Styles. Another guy, here's another, and that just reminds me, another guy I would bring in um, to the company in 01 to work in the Cruiserweight division initially would be Christopher Daniels. Um, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And so you got you, so you start, and where I'll bring that in is you start to bring new blood into the cruiser division. So your your AJ Styles and your Christopher Daniels and your Shane Helms, where you know they're your they're your um they're your next generation cruiserweight guys, and you start building around them. And yeah, you know, so guys like Hoovy and and all that, you don't need them so much anymore because you've got a new cruiserweight scene. Yeah, you know, this is where I was saying you could bring Tarker in and. And Tucker and AJ and Christopher Daniels and Helms, they could, you know, they could be dominating that cruiserweight division for six months, back and forth, different matches with each yep. other. But I, I think that as that's happening, I could see someone like AJ just getting so over with the fans, like Ray, that you've got to start. He becomes too big for the cruiser division, and you move, you start moving him up. Um, you start moving him up into into the the US title picture, or maybe like you said earlier, maybe this is where you have a TV title for a guy like that to to start that that climb. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, building to to somewhere down the line where maybe AJ's, you know, he's he's maybe battling for the TV title at, at you, know, unex, you know unexpectedly at Starcade because his rising TNA was very quick. He went from a, a nobody, you know, in that in the um, X division, he was world champion within six months. He, his climb in TNA when it when when it's when it really launched, you know, two oh three was was very fast. Um, and I think it's because of what he could do in the ring. And I think, yeah, I'm not, I'm not looking to start him as a player, but I think what he brings to the ring, you'd be very quickly moving him out of the cruiserweights and into in, and into a different picture. Yeah, definitely. And then as time progresses, as those guys promote themselves to the next level, you start bringing in more cruisers and you start mm. bringing in younger guys. And and maybe eventually, Dave, if you move ahead a couple of years, a guy like a Jeff Hardy who does eventually go to TNA yeah. in 2004 
instead comes to WCW when, you know, the Hardy Boys team kind of fizzles out. And Mm -hmm. uh, next thing you know, uh, Jeff Hardy not only can help the Cruiserweight division, but you put him on a collision course towards becoming a main eventer and a world champion. Yeah. You know, I think I think in our alternate universe, we, we what we need to do is think about the fact that the kinds of guys that would eventually get to the top of the to the of the cards in like TNA would do the same thing in WCW because, you know, we're pretty smart, except we're not going to have, you know, a lot of trash and we'll never bring Vince Russo in. So uh, um, <laughs> and, and I think, you know, Bret Hart in if you've read Bret Hart's book. Um, he talks about a conversation he had with Pedro Morales when Brett was still coming up the ranks in WWE. And he and he said, Pedro told him, you know, in the end, talent will always come through. And I think that's the thing. These guys, like I said, we have the benefit of hindsight. We can look back and see these are guys that no matter where they've gone, they ended up becoming a player. And I think if they're on your roster in WCW, they are going to end up coming through and becoming a player. It's just how you use them determines whether or not you are going to make money off it or whether you're going to be like, you know, I mean, TNA never really made money. Um, they've been a no. big player, but they've never they've never been. And that's why guys end up going to WWE. You know, They make their name, but they go elsewhere, you know. Um, but if you if you get the right booking and the right um, the right uh, push behind them, you know this mm-hmm. WCW being rebuilt, you you could make household names of some of these guys. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Because eventually, you know, you're we're going to have to kind of move. Obviously, you know, natural progression. You're moving up these cruiserweight guys if they really get over. And we have we have no glass ceiling. Uh, we're looking to make money. We're looking to advance our our product. So. A guy like a AJ Styles, I think, obviously would eventually be brought to the, uh, you know, to the to the main event and and into the the world championship picture. Oh, As yeah. we bring up fresh cruiserweight guys like a you know, um, like a Petey Williams and a Chris Sabin when we get move ahead yeah. in history. Um, so I love that idea. I think the cruiserweight division needs to stay. I think it's a it would be a great gem for us. We treat it. It's the one thing Bischoff did right during his stretch in terms of booking Nitro from top to bottom, is firing up those shows with a killer cruiser match. We would do the same thing. Make that cruiserweight title. The the key thing for us, Dave, is make that cruiserweight title just as important as the WCW title. Oh, yeah. You you can, and if you you build the division right, uh, let me bring it to, to our modern day, to our modern day real world, we we are now living in a world where I mean I'm sure you, you you've seen listeners of listeners have seen you know Ric Flair was 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 tossing out his complaints about um, the fact that Charlotte and Rhea Ripley didn't um, didn't main event night one um, the women's championship match didn't main event now I I don't I, I think that the the Usos and and um, Owens and and Sammy was the right main event I'm not I'm not going to any way deny that. But we are in a world now where the women's division has been built in a way where it is acceptable to have a women's match as your main event. Um, I think the WCW, if you if you build and work the division correctly, you could have that cruiserweight title seen almost on par, not quite, but almost on par with your with your men's world champion because it's the different division, the weight class. 
Right. Um, you, you know, you build it right. I think you could have that. And maybe one day you have someone who holds both belts at the same time. Yeah, maybe that maybe that's the destiny of AJ Styles. Maybe he becomes the first, or, or Rey Mysterio becomes the first man to hold both belts at the same time um, as, as part of your your push for yeah. You know, maybe it would be Ray that you would push up first, but um, you know maybe he holds the cruiserweight title at the same time as he wins the world championship, and um, you know really put the in into that similar stratosphere. Could you imagine? We do the build and we do the build and we move to say Starcade 02 and it's AJ and Ray for the WCW title. Oh, what a you match know? that would be. Yeah, in, absolutely. In, in their, I mean, Ray, Ray in his peak. I mean, his peak. I mean, I know I say his peak. I mean, he, 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 yeah, he had a lot of peaks, but certainly 2002, 2003, Ray, he really was putting it all together in ring, not just quick flips and flying around, but the whole match was was sensational. And AJ coming into his own. I mean, they would just, they would tear the house down. You could have the, I mean, you could do that merge of the titles, or at mm. least, you know, title versus title. I don't think you would have a, I don't think you could do, you, you would have to do a heel. Uh, I think you could do like a Hogan Warrior kind of thing. Oh, yeah. Um, I could never see Ray as a bad guy anyway. Um <laughs> Uh, and then, you know, utilizing the television titles and utilizing the U.S. titles and bringing up these guys like that. And then eventually guys like a Jindrak and a, I mean, they could easily, uh, the best thing about, about having guys like Ray and AJ Styles, you know, smaller size, smaller mm. stature guys at the main event level is all these other guys could be heels, all these big muscular Jindraks yeah. and O'Hares and Palumbos. And they could be like, like, you little midgets don't belong here kind of thing. And. And that's a good that's a good kind of if we continue really growing this heel faction with Booker, because I think Booker would be at the top of the card for a while. Yeah. Um, you could really. Uh, progress. Uh, a storyline like that. That could ha- that could counsel many levels, handle the, you know, the, the main event level, of the world title into the U.S. title, into the TV title. You have some good tags. Um, I think we definitely need to. Uh, enhance our women's division. Um, again, I think I know we talked about China. Yes, China could actually win the U.S. title. Um, but you know, we talk about maybe Sable decides to come, even though at that point I think she. Had, I mean, she would eventually go to the WWF in in nineteen in two thousand three. Although maybe she doesn't. Who knows? Um, uh, but you start cherry picking all these women in the in the these women's wrestlers in the indies in the early two thousands, like the, uh, you know, the Gail Kim's and the, mm. um, uh, I mean, Mickey. Ja- I mean, I know uh, Mickey James, Alexis. Mickey Lurie. James, she, Alexis. She Lurie. was she was bouncing around the indie circuit for for years before she got picked up by. By WWE, and I think you know if you if you're looking at building a a, a real a real division, you you want to try and pick up someone like her. There's um you know I, I, a lot of the women ended up in in the um 
in the WWE. I mean, they all, they all end up there in the end. But there, there were a lot of women who were bouncing the indie circuit at that, like you said, your, your Gail Kims and your and your Alexis Larees that you could pick up before they hit WWE. Right. And if you, if you're building your division right and you're building it very much like the women's revolution concept where we're going to give them credibility and let them mm-hmm. go. And, and you and you bring back a Medusa. There, there's oh, a yeah. China and you bring back Medusa who has that history in the company and has a history as a solid in-ring worker. You bring back someone like her and let let you know someone like Medusa and China become your, your foundations of a of the women's division, but you are looking at an in-ring product that that is comparable with the men. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, because but you know, two thousand one. Don't forget, you know, China was gone, and they they really during that. Well, there would be an invasion storyline, so I don't know what the you know what WWF would be doing in two thousand one since there wouldn't be an invasion. Uh, you know, would they advance Trish Stratus by that point and Lita and? You know they would have the market cornered, but there again, you bring in Medusa and China could be part. You know you can make her a baby face, or you can make her part of, you know this Booker T Flair stable, and make her the big tough bitch as she's trying to you know and these other and make her the the dominant one in the women's division while building others into the women's division. I think that's I don't know why that that, that intrigues me just as much as anything else we've talked about tonight, Dave is. Is is China has that opening? Maybe she, you know, her life doesn't spiral downward, and you know she's in a yeah. stable promotion and in a stable work environment. You know, you'd like to think that that things would have been different, but um, I think she would be great uh, to build a women's division. And again, you're going through the Indies, or we find, you know, like the Francines, although she wasn't really a wrestler. Um, you know, and some of the women in WWE that that didn't stick around. I think it's a huge. Uh, advancement to get women's wrestlers in the indies and bouncing around. And and I think we could really establish that. And, and just like the cruiserweight title, make it just as important to the point where maybe in the, when we get to a point in the WWF where, you know, there's just too many women on the roster or Vince stops taking the women's division seriously, they got somewhere to go, you know? Yeah. Yeah. So Ah, it's, um, I think it's good. So, so let me ask you before we before we look at, at, at wrapping up in a moment. Let me let uh-huh. me ask you. There's two there's two guys that really we we talked about being key players. We haven't touched base on either of them in all these conversations through our main mm-hmm. event, and our secondary scene, and our cruiserweights and all that. Thing and RVD. How would you use them? What would you do with them? In into you've brought RVD in. Um. How do we? Does he come in as a heel? Do, do we have the same problem that WWE had? Do we bring him in as a heel and and the and the crowd get behind him? Do we bring him in as a as a as a as a babyface? What? How would you use RVD? And then how would you use Sting? Uh, RVD, I think I would immediately just have as a babyface. I mean, I don't I don't see how I wouldn't try to do something dumb for the sake of of you know getting the crowd to turn him. I think that's too easy. I would immediately make him a baby face and then kind of go from there. And would he be, I think he'd be a great TV champion and, and work him up, you know, build him. You know, we got so many good guys in this promotion that we're going to be building up young guys, the AJs and the, 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 the Rays and, and, you know, the Jindraks and all these mid-card guys that we're, that we'd eventually see built up. 
I don't want to bring an RVD and immediately make him world champion just because we loved him in ECW. I think that's a guy that I would like to see start off kind of in the middle, build his way up, build his way up. I wouldn't make him the cruiserweight champion. I think he's a bit beyond that. But I would definitely make him like a TV champion into a U.S. champion and eventually work him into the main event mix. Um, maybe maybe he's a guy, like we were talking before about our Gingrex, our Hairs and our Palumbos, this faction that we're building with Booker T. Maybe maybe those those second-tier guys, maybe while Booker's dealing with Goldberg and Sting, maybe those those next guys are, are dealing with RVD and are cheating left and right to prevent RVD from winning the title. So maybe he's in that scene but just can't quite grab the title because this faction right. is just – it's costing him at, at, at every turn. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, with, I, maybe, with, maybe, with maybe the build to Starcade, maybe RVD gets his moment at Starcade as well. Sure. You got it. I think they all, I think that the one thing about that first Starcade we do, Dave, in 2001 is really reestablishing ourselves uh, as a dominant force and realizing, hey, we got a roster of people that everybody loves and. Um, and we're going to give you the guys you loved that WWE would have probably misused mm-hmm. and sting. That's a hard one, believe it or not. <laughs> we want him as the face of the company. Is he, does he become like a, Does he become a guy like a taker who um, handles, you know, kind of the unusual guys or handles the, um, you know, we put him in in really big, crazy spots mm-hmm. against some of these up and comers. Maybe he wrestles when Booker loses the title uh, and he's out of the main event picture, maybe a Booker sting feud. Uh, um, you know, a Booker Sting feud that maybe Sting gets put over, maybe he doesn't. You know, that could be that could be something established. Um, you don't want to make turn Sting into a job guy, but no. but I would definitely. <laughs> no, go ahead. Go ahead. I was going to say that's where you could that's where you get the benefit of someone like a, a Jarrett. Because Jarrett could be someone that Sting, you know, deals with. You know, Jarrett can, you know, his whole, I'm the, you know, I'm the man. What, what, who was he? Was the, you know, the chosen one. Right. I'm the chosen one, and you know, sort of play that chosen one concept. And Sting's like, well, no, I'm the man. <laughs> uh, yeah. Yeah. Using him as that attract, almost using him as that attraction. He doesn't need to be on every single event but you could right. use him as that as that that name attraction i would love to see him rekindle this feud with muda so on, I. on a big on a big stage yeah so would I, I. Think, I think that would be a way to use him too yep maybe he gets his win back because i felt like muda always got the upper hand in 1989 so <laughs> maybe he gets and i know stuff. and i know they try i mean this is the thing you know they actually tried to do something with them the whole vampiro um Sting Muda came in as part of that that angle, but it just it was at a time when no one was watching and no one cared, and they never really did it correct. But if you 
if you bring Muda in as this Japanese legend, the best Japanese wrestler in the world is coming back to to claim the you know the crown here in WCW, and then there's Sting, the man who you know he's been dealing with Sting all his life. Yeah, Sting can even do it. I've been dealing with you since you know, this company started. What are you ever going to leave me alone? Right, and um, you know build up to some sort of mega, you know, I mean. You gotta remember, WCW had Hell in a Cell before WWE did because that was the that was what the um uh, the Thunderdome cage was. It was basically a Hell in the Cell built right. up to a yeah. big gimmick match between yep. the two. Yeah, and we would have done a better job of booking it. <laughs> <laughs> We're not idiots, um, but yeah, I think that's what it is. I think Sting, and then you eventually, you know, you get you work Sting around the title picture and such. Um, what I would do. Now, I wouldn't do it, obviously, I wouldn't do the same months as, w, as uh, WWE, but I would definitely emphasize, uh, Dave, uh, the World War III pay-per-view concept because mm-hmm. you have to, because that's just like the Royal Rumble. That's what you use to put over fresh talent and get to the next level. Um, yeah. So I would definitely do, I would do World War Three. Not necessarily in December, in, in November, because I think that it, it's too tight. I would do World War Three, like, say, in September. Before uh, Halloween Havoc. Yeah. And move Fall Brawl maybe to... Or put the World War Three match... Maybe not do a World War Three pay-per-view, but change World War Three to another match. Mm. Put it on the Fall Brawl. I know Fall Brawl is the, the, the war games. We can move that. The, we could treat war games, Dave, like hell in a cell and move it around yes, to, uh, absolutely. To, to, soothe, to soothe our fancy, you know. Yeah. Whatever. whatever. Our, our Booker T faction, you know, you know, following on from Starcade early 02, you're going to want this this faction that Booker T's put together. They're going to want a war games match at some right. point. Yep. And then you put together a team of amazing and those that's where a guy like an AJ Styles or a guy like an RVD you put over because mm. he could do crazy crap in the ring and and that yep. kind of thing. But I would definitely do the World War Three concept as a match and do it at some point, either in August at Road Wild or maybe in, in September at Fall Brawl and lead to a title match at Starcade. Yeah. Um, I would definitely do that. I think that's 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 easy to book, in my opinion. Yeah. So, well, I'll tell you what, Scott, I'm mm-hmm. excited. I'm excited. I, I am too. Why didn't see why, why were we not in charge back then? You know, why couldn't they put us in charge back then? I think, I think what we've, what we've, you know, just thrown around. And like I said, we're just throwing around ideas. I think we've put together something here. You know, yeah. My last question for for this episode was really. Could this have worked? Could the company have been saved? And and what we've talked about today, I think there was potential to save the company because I believe the demise of the company, part of it was the booking, the mm-hmm. booking issues they had with, with Russo and, and, and Bischoff at the end there. Um, but I believe a lot of it had to do with the fact that the – the same people were on top for so long. The Hogan's, the the Nash, the Hall, that whole brigade. The mm-hmm. you know that you just had this main event picture that didn't couldn't seem to be broken. And then when they tried to break it, they didn't book it correctly. 
and the young guys weren't you, you weren't making stars by using the old players to make them. And I think what we've talked about today allows some veterans to be used well. Mm-hmm. It allows some young guys to be built up. And when you use your veterans to build you young guys, you're building a product that people are probably going to want to see. Yep. And that's and that's what I think. I think what we've shown, what we've talked about today, I think we've shown that this company could have been rebuilt and could have been it might maybe not necessarily to the level it was at at its peak in in 96 97 at the peak of the NWA but i think built up enough that they would have been a still been a player in the business mhm i think we definitely would have i think eventually when we got some cachet dave um at starcade at uh, at uh, starcade maybe we at some point make a doing what WWE does and maybe start getting some shows in big venues. Mm -hmm. Um, Now the problem, unfortunately with Starcade being in December is if you're going to do outdoor venues, they've got to be in, uh, they've got to be in, in the South or indoors. Um, Perhaps we move Starcade back to November. Maybe that's our one little, little, bow shot at WC at uh, WWE as we do start arcade the same month as survivor series mm. and because, and then maybe work another big show at another venue. Maybe we do bash at the beach or great American bash in July in uh, a big venue in the summer, you know, big yeah. football venue. And, um, and I think, I think the other thing you would look at doing, as I said, in 2000, they toured Australia and, you know, tickets sold in no time. I think the international touring becomes, could become a big key, but using it correctly, like building yes. shows out of it, coming to an Australia, going to a Canada, doing a trip to the UK and, and making those shows meaningful, not just, I mean, when WWE comes to Australia, until they did Super Showdown, you know, a few years ago, it was just a house show, and mm-hmm. nothing happened of of any consequence. You make you go on these tours international. You make the shows important. Yep. Um, mm. Yep. And I would also get rid of uh, I get rid of Road Wild. I think yeah. that's a stupid con- concept. Uh, we're not do, we're not here for charity. There will be no free pay per views handed out to bikers. <laughs> no. We are going to make we are going to rebrand. I would probably Dave. Maybe the counter SummerSlam, although not do it the same weekend, obviously. Yeah. But I would probably make the Great American Bash our big August show. Mm-hmm. I would make the Great American Bash our big August show and and have it outdoors. Yeah. And and make it a big venue. And then we do Starcade in November at another big venue. I think that'd be yeah. something different. But anyway, that's something we'd have to think. But I love your concept of going international. Going into the UK, going to Australia, Canada, Mexico, uh, you know, some Japan. of the Germany, you know, it's like some of these Ooh, other countries. Show in Japan. Oh yeah, I would definitely. I I one of the first things I would do, Dave, after you and I uh, take over and call the shots, is the first thing. The first do thing I would do is call New Japan, and yeah. immediately, immediately, make uh, put up, you know, put up some sort of a deal. Yeah. And work out an arrangement with New Japan and, you know, 
maybe Muda could be our representative, you know, mm. and because all Japan was was pretty much dead by 2001, 2002. Yeah. So I think we do that and we continue to cultivate because Vince isn't, he could care less. And instead of us just bringing in a bunch of humps, we bring in the best Chono yeah. and Hashimoto. And, you know, the guys that slowly grow in the two thousands, like Tanahashi and some of the but, younger. So but the difference is use them correctly make them meaningful not what happened in you know 93 94 96 where right japanese guys turn up in wcw and they're just they're just jobbers they there's no name meaning you you want to make them meaningful right exactly you don't just you don't just do it as a as a cheap throwaway novelty absolutely yeah. i agree with you yeah well dave i am excited let's start it <laughs> What Absolutely. A fun, that'd be a fun role-playing podcast if we were WCW. I think that'd be pretty great. <laughs> Every month we book shows. I think it'd be pretty great. Uh, uh, well, I hope everyone enjoyed this. I mean, it was a lot of, it was a big labor of love, and, and we hope we didn't totally confuse you. But, but you know, listen to the show and think about it. Think about, you know, how, how, in your opinion, in your mind as a wrestling fan, do you think WCW would have survived past March of 2001 with a different kind of promoter and a different way of thinking? I don't know. I, I'd be excited about something like that. That's just my opinion. But uh, so thank you for joining us, Dave. You're the best, like always. Where uh, where can everyone find you? Um, oh, yeah, lurking around, guys. You can hit me up on Facebook. Um, you'll often find me on the uh, on the on the place to be pages. Uh, you can also hear me over on the North South uh, Connection Network. Um, you can catch me on. Uh, Cronoso monthly. Um, so you know, I encourage you to, to listen to that and listen to all the other great shows on um, on the PTB network and the and the quad of pods. Um, there's a lot of great stuff out there. But you know, send me a message. So you can you can send me a private message through Facebook. I'd love to hear from you and, and touch base and uh, yeah, love to hear your ideas. Mm, absolutely. Give us your thoughts on on what you would do for a WCW reboot. I guess you could say in 2001. Uh, again, you can follow me on on uh, Twitter at PT at uh, Scott C Podfather. Uh, you can follow me on uh, follow the brand on Twitter at PTB and Wrestling. Uh, we do the daily wrestling time travel where we tell you what was going on on this date in wrestling history in terms of big shows. Um, we have a great week. Uh, obviously, you're listening to this awesome show. We'll have uh, new episodes of uh, Highway to the Impact Zone. This week, new episode of uh, the Place We Podcast will be coming up this Monday. New episode of the NWA Saturday Special with myself and the Doctor. A lot of fun. So always join us here, PTB, the PTB and Wrestling Network. It's the uh, it's the OG. It's your feed. Uh, have a great rest of April. We'll be back one month from today, the third Wednesday of May, and uh, we'll book ECW. No, uh, <laughs> we don't have enough money. <laughs> That'd be easier because it probably costs less money. But anyway, put that. we'll we'll come up with a great topic for May and uh, and have a lot of fun like we always do. So for Dave Hall, I am Scott Criscolo. Thank you for joining us on this journey through the Looking Glass. <laughs> <laughs>